Welcome in. This is your Wednesday live chat for this week's John Deere Classic Plus Live Golf. I don't know. Whatever you want to do, this time is yours. Questions, concerns, comments, throw them in the chat right now. I'll get through as many as possible. We are indeed presented by the homies over at Jock Market. Uh, there is a Jock Market Power Hour live show tonight, 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Rick, run good YouTube channel. It's Stock Market DFS. We'll talk about them in just a second, but let's just jump into this. Samuel Lindsay coming in hot. Hey, Rick, this may be the first and last time you're ever asked this, but can you deep dive Kelly Craft? Sure. Uh, this is my website. It is called rickrungood.com. It is a giant database for golf, uh, fantasy golf, and golf betting. I love it. I think you will too. Kelly Craft. Made four of his last five cuts. A little bit upside. T15 in Mexico. T13 at the RBC Heritage. Driving it well. Not so great on approach play. Can get a hot putter. Hey, this thing might turn into a little bit of a putting contest. Does he have any history around here, Samuel? I think he does. He's made four cuts in four trips. T5, his best finish. That was 2016. This isn't, this isn't bad. Uh, I, I think he, he's clearly playing better, right? I mean, there was a stretch of golf from RSM 2021 to basically this year's Valero, where he just was missing every single cut, has seemingly fixed the driver, which is going a long way. Uh, that seems to be the big fix. And then, yeah, I mean, this isn't, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Am I excited about it? No, but it's not bad. 10th hole hot dogs. Hi, Rick, trying my hand at prize picks tomorrow. What is the best strategy for identifying players that excel or struggle in windy conditions, really need money for hot dogs. So appreciate the help. 10th hole hot dogs. You've activated the wind rant. Um, it goes, I haven't done it in a while, but it goes a little something like this. If anybody tells you that there's an effective way to statistically determine whether wind is impacting golfers or not, they're lying to you. I have the data. It is very, very noisy and is incapable of figuring out a lot of the variables. For example, tomorrow's wind is supposed to lay down in the morning and then around 11 o'clock, it's supposed to kick up to 16 miles an hour. It's about to go, it's about to go from about eight miles an hour to six miles an hour. What if it comes a couple hours early? Uh, what if it blows in a specific direction that guys don't mind? What if it uh, gusts guys? What if it gets to a part of the golf course that is more exposed than others? And when you play there, you're at an unfair advantage. There's a million variables that cannot determine whether a guy just played well for that day, played poorly for that day, or was impacted by the wind because the wind can impact him in a million different ways. So I don't release the data because it is not, in my opinion, actionable. Sorry we had to do the rant so early in the show. Scott B says, hello, Rick. Thoughts on guys who have decent course history but aren't playing the best? Is this an event that may forgive recent form? Guys like Kazire and Scott Brown come to mind. I, <coughs> Excuse me. I think a little bit. So we've seen uh, KH Lee, I think, was a great example of this, that Byron Nelson wasn't playing well leading in, successfully defends his title. We've seen that Harris English last week playing horrible going into the Travelers, played fairly well. I think he faded on Sunday. But otherwise, like you, we've seen this a bit more this year, in my opinion. And to go to a golf course that is generally uh, very consistent year over year, these are the types of golf courses that I would prefer to say, okay, I know your recent form isn't the greatest, but you've got a lot of good runarounds here. Maybe you can find a little bit of magic. I, I think this is probably on the upper end of spectrum 
on courses that you'd want to do that at. Hank Hill says 20 max. Do you think it's smarter to be overweight on web or just fade him? Uh, I won't say fade, but I really hate the nine and the 10 K pivot options. I agree with you. If you're going to play 20, um, yeah, I, I kind of agree that you should either have 20 lineups of web or zero lineups of web. I would probably prefer 20 lineups of web. Um, so he's being priced in a way that I don't think is indicative of what his longer term ceiling is. Multiple time winner on the PGA Tour. We're not that far removed from him winning like, you know, once or twice every season. And a lot of the poor play, you could argue, not that it wasn't his fault, but like it was injury. He had a, like a, he had like a long lasting battle with COVID. Um, like it was just a very bad stretch of like 12 months for Webb Simpson. And we're starting to see the metrics get back to good web. He's not putting as well. He's putting fine, but he's not putting as well as we know he can. So I'm quite, and I just believe like when everybody's at their best, he's just by far better than everybody else in this field. So, um, I, if you made me choose, I would prefer more web than none web. Can you convince me that Jason day is worth a look other than being a contrarian in terms of ownership? Yeah. So he's like the lost guy in the 10 K range, right? All the, the three, the three big boys, Simpson, Hadwin, and Sahith are coming in at like 31, 27, 22%. Jason Day, nine, right? So that is the natural pivot. Um, I'm concerned about this, losing three or more strokes on approach in four straight. It doesn't matter what course you play. That's a problem. Uh, I also prefer, and we can kind of look at Jason Day's stats here. You know, there's an argument this thing could turn into a little bit of a wedge fest. 125 yards and in. He's not really all that great there either. 100 to 125, he's 185th. From 50 to 125, he's 199th on tour. Like the wedges are not, they're not great. Um, sprays it a little bit more than he probably should. 92nd on tour in driving accuracy. I prefer Jason Day at harder golf courses uh, where getting up and down for par is re rewarded. If you're getting up and down for par at TPC Deer Run, you are in big trouble. Steven says, Rick, exclamation point, would it be an absolutely insane play? Sorry, I ruined that, Steven. Would it be absolutely insane to play two 10K guys and build from there this week? I've never done that before, but this field is tempting me to get a little bit crazy. Thanks for the great content. Um, I'm certainly on board with being different. I've done the 210K thing. I'm not sure who the 210K guys are. I, I mean, Webb and Sahith, maybe, and then work from there. Uh, I mean, what's, what's this? The bottom of this, this, you know, you're going to have to dive into the sixes, which I could argue, you know, Cam Percy at 6,600 is not significantly worse than Andrew Putnam at 7,300. So I guess for it's kind of two parts. I, I'm fine treating the 6K range and the 7K range like they're the same thing. But I'm not sure who the two great top like if there was only two horses here, maybe I'd be more interested in that. It's fine. It would make you different, Steven. And good luck finding the right guys in the six and seven K range. Good day, Rick. With this weak field, should I just go low ownership on one and done? Um, uh, I don't know. Wouldn't you do the opposite then? If it if it was a weak field and there was only like one or two or three guys that you'd be interested in. Shouldn't you just play one of them? Uh, I would say weak field or not, play your position over playing the field. So if you are front running, Simpson, Hadwin, Tagala, they're the guys. Uh, if you are trying to make up ground, it's Cam Davis. It's uh, actually, I can show you this. So I, I send out a newsletter every week. Um, 
And one of the things that I try to include, you can sign up for this in the description, or I think it's rickrungood.com slash newsletter. Uh, I, I put in like the projected ownership for one and done because officefootballpool.com lets you see site-wide picks, not like, oh, Billy chose Adam Hadwin. It's like, hey, of the thousands of users on the site, here is what they've picked. Webb Simpson was 21%. Adam Hadwin was 19 Sahit Tagala is 16 So Denny McCarthy and Cam Davis are kind of your next level guys. So I would just say player position more than playing this field. Uh, this one says, hey, Pat, any love for Grillo or Ryan Moore this week? You're in the wrong place. Rick, you're the best. Thank you. Uh, could you please take a look at Hammer and Hank's chances this week at a top 20 outperforming his jock market 70th pre-rank? Uh, thank you. Hashtag Libiota strong. All right, let's pull this up. Hammerin Hank. It's okay. It's I'm not the, okay. The good news is he's gained multiple strokes on approach in three of his last four. That's about the most I can say about it. You know, he had a massive putting week, a massive short game week in Mexico that covered up a huge deficiency in the ball striking categories. He's not all that accurate off the tee. He's not all that great in the wedge game. Um, Boy, this is, he doesn't make a lot of birdies, which is you're gonna have to make a lot of, he's 140th in birdie, birdie or better present. I... I think this is a pretty tough ask. He's playing better now than he was, but th that that's a that's a tough ask. What's up, Rick? It's my birthday. Happy birthday. I really want that birthday outright win this week. With that said, the strength of field is weak. Yeah, somebody's going to win, though. Would you take more long shots or trying 30 to 1? Um, I'll just tell you who I bet, and you should just go bet who you want. Don't bet who I got. But I, I like living in the 30 to 60 range, and then I like getting getting down and dirty into the triple digits just because I think the 30s to 60s are going to win disproportionately more often. And then um, uh, like this feels like an American Express, right? Where some of these guys from from the triple digits can win. So I only have five. I got I bet five guys this week. Maverick McNeely at 29 to one, which I'm not thrilled about, but I've invested so much in Maverick McNeely that if I'm finally going to get if, if I truly believe in his skill set, even though he's not playing well, I have to bet him here because uh, it's like the best place for him to win. Uh, Cam Davis, no surprise. I've been I've been talking about Cam Davis ad nauseum all week long. I bet JT Poston. JT Poston is actually so. If you go to the power rankings, um, twenty last twenty four rounds, he's the best player in this field. One point one two. 1.22 strokes game per round, and he's doing it in a volatile way. It's like three top tens and three missed cuts, which is fine by me if I'm betting him outright. Then the two triple digits guys, uh, Sam Ryder, who I've talked about a lot this week, and then Von Taylor, who I talked a little bit about on the Monday show. Um, that's what I've done. Good luck. Thoughts on one and done. So kind of cover this a little bit. If you are uh, if you are front running, I'd go Webb or I'd go Hadman. If you're looking to make up ground, I would go Cam Davis. If you need to make up a lot of ground and you want to be a little bit different, I would probably go with uh, Adam Long. That feels that feels okay. Speaking of which, it says, hey, Rick, 2v2 Adam Long and Goddard up versus Stallings and Smotherman. Uh, I would go Long and Goddard up. 
smash the like button. That's a good idea. Are you buying or selling Mav? Oh, I just talked about that. Grades out well. Yeah, so I, I, all I did was bet him outright. It, you know, he's unlikely to, to get a lot of exposure from me in a lot of other situations. But um, the outright market for a guy that I, you know, five weeks ago was still a believer in, I have to do it now in a field that is the third weakest field that we've had on tour this this uh, this calendar year or this well, in the schedule. So I, I think you have to. Rick the man. Thank you, Zach. Would you suggest doing a stars, relatively speaking, and scrubs or balance build? Um, it, it, you know, it's it's tough. Let's look at this together. I would probably say a balanced build gives you a few options. Uh, avoiding the vast majority of chalk at the top. Four out of the five guys, four out of the five highest priced guys are projected over 22%. That's crazy. I don't know. I can't remember another time seeing that. So if you start below Denny McCarthy, I believe you will avoid a lot of the big chalk. I also think that guys like this, like this range right here, Hardy, Long, Todd, Davis, even Glover, I love all those guys. I think that's great. Even Christian Bezadenhout, a little bit more expensive, but like I, and then go down to posting in the eight Ks, like th this and John Hunt, 7,800. Like if that was my player pool, I'd, I'd be, I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that. Thoughts on Austin cook. I'm not even sure I've thought about Austin cook in a while. Let's do it together. Let's, let's go. Let's see if he can cook Austin cook. What has Austin cook been up to? Miscut, 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 T13, 63rd. And the T13 was a absolute bonkers putting performance. By far the best putting performance of his career. So, no. Th this is like a lot of red flags here then. This is a ton of red flags. Just constantly giving back strokes to the field. Constantly giving strokes back from T to green. Even when he has his career best putting performance by three strokes, which he's never going to do again. It was a T13. So that's that's pretty ugly. Hey, Rick. Uh, really happy to see some professional advancements lately. Thank you. Want you to know you deserve it. Oh, I appreciate that. Am I the only guy who feels like Sahith might bounce this tournament due to expectations? Might bounce this tournament. Is that good or bad? I'm, I'm going to assume that's bad. Expectations are high. He's going to bounce this tournament. Um, I believe that Sahith is, and I've said this before, He's going to be very inconsistent. And I don't even think it is because of the mentals or the letdowns or the, you know, a lot of golf recently. Like, I don't even think it's that. Look at his golf swing and, and listen to interviews he's done about his golf swing. It is all feel. It is all feel, which when that is going well, goes really well. When you're a little bit off, I think things go sideways quickly. He's not a very technical golfer. So I think you're just going to get one week it's top five, next week it's a miscut, then it's a miscut, and then it's a third. Then it's like, I think he's just going to be all over the place. So the situations where he becomes chalky are the situations where I'm going to avoid him, and the situations where he is uh, not chalky are the situations I'm going to play him. Let's see if that's actually kind of held true here. So if you, if you go to the fantasy and betting tab, you can see ownership and salary and all that stuff. So, okay, uh, the Phoenix, the, the Phoenix run, that's kind of him bursting onto the scene, right? He was two and a half percent owned that week. Then you can kind of see he gets a bump 
And now he's starting to miss cuts again. He's starting to play poorly. Boom, T5 at 4.2% owned. Uh, Now he gets a boost to RBC Canadian, 12%. T53, that's no good. Uh, People drop off of him, finish his rudder up with the Travelers. Like I I think it's just you let let ownership dictate what you're going to do with Sahith. And I think that's fair. Other things to note, he is very good in the jock market. So if you're if you're looking at this on the right-hand side, average IPO, which is a share price you buy for him, $3.89, average payout 513, a 43% ROI is massive in the jock market. Um and you can see other I have a I have a tool on the website for free that you can go look at for all the jock market stuff, but if you're if you're not playing jock market, it's stock market DFS. So they are making a ton of advancements in this game as well. Uh, basically, what you do is you can bid on shares of, of athletes. If you win the bids, you get those shares, or you can just live trade them. You can short guys. Uh, it's a very, very interesting concept. I've got the data on my website. So last week, Sahith went for $4.26, paid out 20 bucks a share. That's $15 a share in profit. Uh, and there were a lot of other, like Chess and Hadley, massive returns. Uh, Michael Thor, Thor Bjornsson, massive returns. I think there's going to be a lot more of this this week as well because of kind of the un- unknown entities that are in this field. So there's a link in the description. You can get um, 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks, I think it is, if you use the code Rick. There's a power hour tonight. Joe Idoni and myself will take you through everything. It'll be a blast. Really good other format to play. I enjoy it quite a bit. Hey, Rick. Can you run a model and see what pops for great plays? You, duh, man. Thank you. Yeah, so let's do this. Custom model, rickrungood.com. I was just trying to get freaky with this earlier. Um, I, I can't exactly remember what I did on Monday, but I would go like 16 rounds. And then what I think I wanted, I think later in the week, what I started to do was, um, you, you guys know I go back and forth on these buckets, but I'm generally out on the buckets. But there is a bucket, 50 to 125, that I think is kind of interesting. Greg Ducharme brought this up as well on the first cup pod. So let's just get freaky with that and put 20 weights on 50 to 125. Let's put 20 on birdie or better. We assume this is going to be a birdie fest, right? Something 23 under par, something like that. Um, so now we've got two of those things covered. Now we got to allocate our other, other 60 weights in a way. So I'm going to go, uh, 10 on distance, 15 on accuracy. I think accuracy is more important than distance. Let's go 20 on approach. I think approach is going to be critical. Let's go five around the green. If you're tapping into that, you're pretty screwed. And then 10 with the putter. Let's just get freaky. That gives us a number one golfer of Webb Simpson, Cameron Davis, then Brendan Todd, then David Lipsky. Let's go. Yeah, like love it. I'll just love it. Uh, so Simpson, Davis, Todd, Lipsky, Callum, Taron, Brant Snedeker, Charles Howell the third, Nick Hardy, Adam Hadwin, Joseph Bramlett rounding out the top 10. Said it was going to be freaky, and it's freaky. What's your strategy for multiple lineups? Do you choose three guys and put them in every lineup or choose different people in each? I do a lot of overlap, but that is a risk reward that I'm willing to take on. Uh, I like high risk. I don't play DFS for a living. I don't play to turn my $6 into $12. I play to turn my $3 or my $100 into $100,000, right? So I'm willing to take on the risk. Uh, so I have a lot of overlap. Some people do not want to do it that way, and I completely under, completely understand. How concerning is it when a player 
who has been consistently doing well and then all of a sudden has an awful week. Well, let's kind of let's, it depends on what kind of week it is. So you're talking specifically about CT Pan and his approach play. Okay, let's find out. Yeah. He gained strokes every event from Honda Classic to Memorial, then he lost five and a half strokes on approach. It's not that unusual. He lost five at the Farmers Insurance Open. He is capable of having some really horrid approach weeks. 4.7 at the Players' Championship a couple years ago. 5.5 might be his worst approach week ever. Let's just confirm that. Might be close. No, it is. Number one. So, in general, when I look at this, I assume there's a bounce back coming. When a guy who has been great for 30 rounds has two bad ones and they're the worst of his career, I... I'm okay with that. Now, I could also, um, I don't want to waste everyone's time here, but what I would also go do is go back and look at either, uh, like go back and look at the shot tracker. There, Rory kind of did this one day too, where he lost like four and a half strokes around the green and it was from like three shots. Three shots that he just like hit into the water, right? When you start adding penalty strokes into this, it gets it goes bad really quickly. So I would look at that as well, but I'm, I'm generally not um, not as concerned about that. Good afternoon, Rick. Hope all is well. Quick request if possible. Who are the worst and best golfers distance from edge of fairways in this field? See, Badger has solved this. Badger has solved the live chat. He knows that if he asks a very specific question about data that is behind the paywall, I will obviously show it to him and he will not have to subscribe to rickredgood.com, which I encourage everyone to, but I'm just messing with you, Badger. Here, here are the top golfers. And distance from edge of fairway is a stat the PGA Tour keeps that says when you miss the fairway, how far do you miss it by? So, for example, number one is Brandon Todd. He's eighty five hundred dollars this week. He when he misses, he misses on average by nineteen feet six inches. That is the smallest miss when he misses. Uh, Hayden Buckley is next. David Lipsky, Lucas Glover, Von Taylor, Von Taylor. That's why I bet him. Uh, Danny McCarthy, Ches Reby, Adam Long. You guys can read the names yourself, but that's um, it's a it's. I don't know if it's a great stat for this week. I think it's an okay stat for this week. How good are Denny McCarthy's chances of winning or being top five? Well, um, so I ran a simulation a thousand times and I put it into the tournament predictor and I got out uh, Denny McCarthy winning this event six and a half percent of the time and finishing inside the top five. 22% of the time. Uh, I don't know if I have a better answer for you because that's literally what I think his chances are of winning. Um, the model loves that he can putt well. The model loves the spiky aspect of it. Um, but if you'll notice, 42 different golfers won a, won a simulation at least once. That's a lot. So I, I think, and nine golfers won it, excuse me, uh, at least four times, which is again, a lot. So you're seeing a lot more spread out win equity in this field, which kind of makes sense. It's kind of wide open. What are the projected ownerships looking like? There we go. You guys are getting smart about asking the right questions here. So as I kind of alluded to, there's the big four at the top, Denny, Webb, Adam, Sahith. You get a little bit of a reprieve from Jason Day, Charles Howell III, Chris John Bazanehout. Then that 8K range is fairly well spread out, which is nice um, because I like a lot of those guys and nobody's super, super, super chalky. I think those guys are going to be pretty even. You go down a little bit further, Adam Svensson eating up a lot of the upper 7K stuff. 
uh, Chris got her up taking care of the bottom of the seven K's and then not a real consensus after that, as far as, as ownership goes. Rick, can you expand why if rounds are equal, why the cheat sheet model, uh, have different numbers in stroke gain approach. Yeah. So this comes up a lot. Um, I don't know if I have a good example of this. Um, hold on a second. This is okay. Th so this is a good example here. So Mark Hubbard last 50 rounds is gaining 0.85 strokes total. But if you look at the breakdown from T to green, he's 0.03 and putting he's 0.16. So Mark is accurately saying, why doesn't that equal 0.19? Okay. So the answer to that is not all events that these guys play are ha have the measured breakdown, right? Where it's off the tee approach around the green. But every event that they play has strokes gain total. Because strokes gain total is just a, a way to say, okay, here was the scoring average for the day. Um you know, did you beat it? How much did you beat it by? How much did you lose to it by? So every event, live golf, I calculate the strokes gain total for. Corn Ferry, I calculate. Euro, I calculate. Whatever. That's all there, strokes gain total. So if these guys play events that are not measured events, they're going to get strokes gain total numbers, but they're not going to get the full breakdown. So a lot of times they're not going to add up. So Mark Hubbard has... Um, corn fairy results. Brendan Todd's a good example here. So his, his do add up because all of the stuff that he's played in the last 50 are all measured rounds. So his 0.75 and his 0.02 add up to 0.77. So you're going to see that for guys that are playing non PGA tour strokes gain measured events. Hope that helps. It, it's a good question. Cause you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Hey, Rick. How can you trust the live golf players when they have already received their money? It's a valid point. Uh, I guess there's more money available in winning, right? If I, but I don't know. I don't know what motivates these guys. I think it's a fool's errand to try to guess what motivates a lot of these guys. Uh, not not just live golf, but like any human. Like what motivates a human? If if Brooks has a hundred million, does he care a lot about the four million for for first place this week? Or does he pack it in? I don't know. So I agree, Jeffrey. I I don't know how to calculate that. Uh, and I don't, I don't have a good answer for you. Rick, where do you get your background data that you input into Power BI? So I have a, a, an official data deal with the PGA Tour, which is amazing. And I've been compiling golf data from around the world for a while. And I have a deal with the PGA Tour. And that's how it works. Best in the field from 150 yards and in. Do I have 150 yards and in? That's a very specific one. Hold on. Sometimes they put them in the, in these buckets. So 150 and in. Approaches from... Do they have a 150 and in? Or do we have to do like... One... Yeah, see, they do it. They do it in these buckets. Um, I could do like 150 to 125, or I could click a couple of these. They don't really keep 150 and in. They keep from inside 100. I could give you that. All right, let's do a couple things. So 125 to 150, uh, Max McGreevy, Matias Schwab, John Huh, Lee Hodges, Ben Coles, Doc Redman, Lucas Glover. 100 yards and in. 
Sorry, I was looking. I was looking for. I, I thought I saw it. Um, Ryan Armour, Jared Wolf, Camilo Vijegas, Brant Snedeker, Jim Canals. I thought I saw your original question. So sorry about that. Hey, Rick, uh, can you show and talk through the trends tool for this field real quick? Okay, sure. So the trends tool is really just a way to compare golfers uh, to their 100 round baseline and see how hot they are. So first of all, Steve Stricker withdrew. Don't play him. So the way to read this is Brian Gay is one and a half strokes better per round in his last 24 than his 100 round baseline. Now, Brian Gay has a lot of champions tour events in there. So someone like JT Poston, I think is a really good example. JT Poston, um, you know, if you look at his 100 round average, it's, it's probably not great. So his, he's 1.2 strokes better in his last 24 than he is to his 100 round baseline. And then you have to look at it and you say, wow, he's gained across the board. Sometimes you see a big number and it's just a hot putter, but Poston gains is he's better off the tee. He's way better on approach. He's better around the green and he's better with a putter um, compared to his 100 round baseline, like significantly. So we might just be seeing a market improvement in JT Poston's game. So that's the way to read this. And then you can adjust how many rounds you want to look at. And then this tool here, this kind of does the work for you. This says, um, you know, who is playing above their tee to green baseline, but also getting unlucky with the putter. So guys that are not putting as well as you would expect. So you want guys in the upper left quadrant, in the upper right quadrant, guys in the green areas, those are more likely to break out. So, uh, you know, Steven Yeager, Adam Shank, um, Taylor Pendrith has an injury, so you might want to throw him out. JT Poston, Grayson Murray, Honor Bond Lahiri, Kelly Craft, John Huh, guys like that. Those are those are likely breakout candidates. Which golfer slash price range do you feel is the lowest you could go this week as in the core cascading method? I struggle to find pivots anywhere under the 7K range if I go to Buckley, for example. Um, I do like Buckley. I would say the lowest I'd be willing to go is a core play. Um, how much is Sam Ryder? 71. Okay. Definitely there. Let me see if I can find somebody lower. How about man, that's a core play. A core play is very important. Maybe 7,100. Uh, Hayden Buckley, 69. Okay. Yeah, no, I think you found it. I think it is Buckley. Is Lee Hodges worth a look this week? Well, Let's find out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm generally thinking no, but I could be wrong here. Uh, eh, actually, okay. I'll give him credit. So he's gained strokes on approach in his last three. He's gained strokes putting in four out of his last five. That combination, that skill set, approach plus putting, is a generally a high upside, um, a high upside combination. He's not bad from like 125 to 175 which was a pretty big bucket to be 11th to 26th on tour in. How many birdies does he make? Not enough. 179th. Boy, that's a little bit disappointing. Where did he have that? Yeah, he had that really good run at Honda, which is a hard event, and then American Express, which is a birdie fest. So, okay, I'm like a six and a half out of 10. That's fine. How accurate do you see your ownership projections being this week as compared to other weeks, and who are some to target? Well, the process hasn't changed, right? The process using key indicators to figure out what general public and sentiment is going to do, the process hasn't changed. So I don't think like this week is going to be any different than others. Um, so I, I don't, I don't have any concerns with that. 
Hey, Rick. Having a difficult time finding an outright in the scrub field. Who are the five guys? Well, actually, I just I gave you my betting card earlier in the show. Rewind. That's actually five guys. Is it, it is an interesting week to pivot away from the top with lineup construction. I'm finding one and a half to 2K left on the table. Roughly unique question mark, foolish question mark. Uh, do it. Do it. And if you would like me to uh, help show you why you should do it, Google search or Twitter search Rick run good optimal. And you will see how many optimal lineups leave a lot of money on the table. Uh, RBC Canadian, 48,500, 48,600, 46,300. Was that last week? 46,300. Yeah. Last week was 46,300. Leave the money. I would prefer, so Mark says, how do we feel about Strillman versus Chez? So my gut says Chez is the guy here. I think he's got more upside. I think he's playing better, but I want to show off this. The new head-to-head matchups tool. So if you are ever, so I have a head-to-head matchups tool on the website. And if you are ever in, I it's more than just matchups. So you could say, I'm between these two guys in DraftKings. Who do I think is better? Well, Let's see what fits my needs a little bit. So I'm going to go last 24 rounds. And I just updated this. This is amazing. So let's go Reevy. And who is the other one? Uh, Strillman. So you plug in two golfers. Okay. So the way that this works is if these two played a, using data from the last 24 rounds, if these two played a four round matchup against one another, Ches Reevy would win 54% of the time. Then it also shows you how often they gain X number of strokes. So the way to read this is, Ches Reevy gains two or more strokes to the field 33% of the time. Well, Streelman only does it 20% of the time. So what you have here is Streelman gains to the field 4% more often than Reevy does, but Reevy gains more uh, one stroke or more more often, two or more more often, three more more often. Reevy just has like infinitely more upside than Streelman does. Like that's what this says. Infinitely more upside, at least in the last 24 rounds. So that's what I would do. Do you love that tool? Is that tool cool? Let's go. Feels like we'd be looking at ourselves as fools if we were told earlier in the year we wouldn't play Mav in this field at this price. Yeah, that's why I bet him. Did Harry Higgs completely score, scare away his game when he flashed everyone at 17? Uh, Yeah, he was a disaster basically before that, I think. Uh, And he did not look good. I actually saw a lot of his rounds on the weekend. It was not good. It was not good. Uh, I've answered a lot of these, so I'm just kind of I'm just kind of searching through. It can obviously be it can obviously vary based on event, but in fields this week, I prefer going with a balanced build. But Mexico was different because we had Rom. Thinking of CH three as my highest price golfer, I will say no one has asked it yet, but there's usually a, a question like. Who have you gotten warmer on as the week goes on? That's probably Charles Howell for me. I still very much worry about what his upside is. I do very much worry about his upside. I think he's like a lock to finish between T19 and T35. Uh, However, I was looking at his stats. He's a fairly good wedge player. Uh, He makes a lot of birdies. 32nd on tour, which means he's much better than that in this field. He is a good driver of the golf ball. 
I wish he was a little bit more accurate, but 77th in this field, you know, you could argue it's like four, it's like 40th in this field, 77th on tour. So I am probably warming. I don't know if he can make enough putts to win it. I, I think his upside is limited, but I'll tell you what, I was all out on him uh, earlier in the week. And now I'm like at three out of 10. The live participants are the who's who of me first golfers with some simpletons thrown in DJ Wolf, who are going to be the new villains on the PGA tour. Oh, good question. I could see John Rom taking a heel turn. I could, I could, there's already a lot of people who are like, Oh man, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. Um, I don't feel that way, but I could see John Rom pulling a heel turn. Uh, answer these questions about McNeely. Rick, always grinding, man. Appreciate the added models from time to time. For future tools, birdie fest. Would a metric that looks at a golfer's probability to shoot, say, 66 or 67 or lower, have any value? So, sure. Uh, I would not assign a score to it because a 66 at, um, well, I guess you're saying birdie fest, but like a 66 at the American Express is still different than a 66 here. However, this kind of already exists. So, on the golfer profile page, go to uh, splits, and you can see how often golfers gain to the field, gain one or more, two or more strokes, three or more strokes, four or more strokes, five or more strokes. So for example, this is Charles Howe III. 3% of the time, he gains five or more strokes. Let me show you an example of someone who's more volatile. I bet you Sam Burns, and I know he's not in this field, but just for, just for purposes of uh, showing this, I bet you he gains five or more strokes a lot more. Uh, actually not. Hold on. What about Spieth? Spieth was a big one, wasn't he? Yeah, there we go. 9%. That's pretty significant. And he gains four more strokes 17% of the time. So this is kind of what I'm, what I think you're describing there. Maybe I could make this into a tool where you could see the entire field at once, but this data is available to you. Top 20. Parlay, Webb, Sahith, Denny, Mav, and Cam Davis, 15 to win 11.35. Are we eating hot dogs, Rick? Uh... No. One of those guys will definitely screw that up. Can you do a deep dive on Nick Hardy? I'm actually surprised it took this long to get a Nick Hardy question. He's been playing awesome. Um, he's he's very good. I, I, I like Nick Hardy a lot. I think he's going to be pretty popular this week. He's an Illinois kid going back to Illinois. He's look at this run 21st at the Zurich classic. Can't remember who his partner was runner up on the corn ferry T 35, the Canadian open 14th at the U S open T eight, the travelers. Let's go. Let's go. I, I do think it's a little bit sustainable. You know, I, I worry about the nine strokes putting at, at the U S open, but other than that, no problems. Thoughts on Cam Champ as a guy not playing well, but looking to take advantage of a weak field. Seems to pop randomly. Definitely pops randomly. Um, I won't bet him, but like you could bet way worse guys or play worse, way worse guys. He's he's an out-of-nowhere guy. Hey, Rick, thoughts on Martin Laird? Yes. Um, you you nailed it, Matthew. It's from T to green, he's gained like 14 out of 18, and it's just the putter, right? It's like all that matters. And he played well last week. I think he's fine. No problem there. Hey, Rick, relatively new to DFS, and I'm having trouble not making 200 lineups every week. Do you have any methods for limiting, honing in the number of lineups or players that you use? Um, boy, 
I'm not sure I've ever been asked that. I'm making too many lineups. Um, yeah, I mean, I like to play. So I will only play contests that I'll max enter, right? Which which means I'm not playing a lot of 150 max, which means I'm playing a lot of single, three, five, and 20, which I think inherently um, limits the number of lineups that you're going to make. And then as far as exposure goes, that's kind of up to you. But I, yeah, I mean, if you're playing like 100, if you're just playing a bunch of those contests and dumping a bunch of lineups into it, it's going to be hard to not avoid scope creep. Whoops, lost my spot. Sometimes this thing jumps on me. Okay, since all one and done picks are available, who is your favorite? Uh, I think objectively the answer is Webb. I believe Cam Davis is the most undervalued guy on the slate. I wouldn't hate Nick Hart like that, but that's it. Like I'm playing Webb Simpson or Cameron Davis in like every single one and done, which, oh, reminds me, I got to get my picks in. This just says, uh, Hammer and Hank, I don't have a question. That is from the Sia Najad. Any interest in Von Taylor? Yes. Uh, I've bet him, and I probably have said that since that comment came in. Over, under on Zach Johnson being 15% owned in the flop shot. I have Zach Johnson at 6.6, so I'll take the under. All right, a couple questions about some similar guys here. So let's do this. Let's do... Let's knock out the old Ryan Armour question from Jimmy here. Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Ryan Armour. That's pretty good, right? So going back to Punta Cana, T15, 36th, miscut, T15, miscut, T35, T25. Gaining off the T via accuracy, not distance. You know, a six-shot window. In terms of approach play, good and bad. Puts it well enough. This isn't this isn't horrible. Has he played? He's played well here before, hasn't he? John Deere, Ryan Armour. Oh no, the opposite. He's been horrible here. Five starts, three missed cuts. Best finish T fifty. But that was that was in two thousand eight. Can we really do we really care about that? Let's look at his. Um, does not make a lot of birdies. That's a problem. Very accurate. In fact, the most accurate. Man, I wish he made more birdies. That's really my only my only issue. And he's not very good with the wedge. He's actually much better from further away because he probably hits more shots from there. Yeah, this is, um, boy, that's a tough one. I think I'm like a four out of 10. Like I'd take that side of it, like the no side. But But that's better than I thought. Enjoy. Which players do you like? Long and Redmond or Revy and Gim? I'm pretty sure it's Revy and Gim like a lot of the time. I don't, I'm not sure that's particularly close. Talked about those guys, talked about those guys, talked about those guys. We could do this. I just, I just really like this head to head betting tool. So let's just do this. So Chez, Chez versus John Hung. Last 24 rounds. Give it to Johnny. 57% probability. He's better in zero, one, and two strokes. They are the same in gaining three. They are the ga same in gaining four, and they are the same in gaining five. That is a pretty significant nod to John Hung. Uh, we can do we can do a Joseph Bramlett deep dive. 
because uh, he popped up. So like, as I was rolling through all those different trends and all that different stuff, his name pops up a lot here. So uh, if you know anything about Bramlett, there, it's like one gear, very, very fast and swings hard and drives it very, very far, not very accurately. And oh, by the way, he's like one of the worst putters out here. Boy, he's lost 18, almost 19 strokes putting in four, in eight rounds. Holy crap. Has he ever played the John Deere? Probably not. Oh, he has. Once, maybe? Twice. God, he missed the cut. How, he played it in 2011? Is he, uh, is he an Illinois guy? How did he get in? Wasn't he like, how old is he? Played in 2011 and in 2021? That's kind of bizarre. Um, boy, I guess the good news is he's very good from some of these wedge, wedges too. The good news is he just can't putt. Like he is the, it's the only, it's really the only deficiency and it's so, so bad. Um, gained 20 strokes from T to green in his last eight rounds. This is an amazing stat profile. I would lean more Bramlett than not Bramlett. Uh, I've answered a lot of these, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of just, just skimming here. Hey, Rick, what is up with Jason Day's irons? Is an easier course like this possibly where he finds them? Uh, no, I, I would say the opposite. I would say in this field, you're going to have to make so many birdies. If you're coughing up three strokes on approach, it's going to be worse in the, on this course. Like everyone's just going to lap him. I'm worried about. Why don't players having the lead on the 72nd hole club down off the tee? Well, um, if you've been doing, if you've been hitting driver all day and you've been hitting it well, why would you stop now? Why would you change when the moment is the biggest? Also, a lot of these guys, you mentioned two young guys, are fairly data-driven. And they know, like before the week starts, hey, I'm hitting driver on 18. That's the play. Sahith was, um, or Sahith, I don't mind him hitting driver off the tee at 18. Because in his eyes, if he makes a three, he wins for sure. If he makes a four, he probably wins, right? When he's standing on the tee. And the best way to make a three or a four is hit driver. And a lot of guys hit driver there. His just got too much up against the lip. He should not have tried to bang it out of there. He should have, um, he should have, he should have flopped it out and tried to get up and down for par in hindsight, obviously. Favorite props for tomorrow. Okay, so I tweeted this out. The lines have probably moved by now, but if they haven't, let me just show you what is going on here. So when when the prize pick stuff first started for golf, they were super bad on lines. They've gotten better. They're super bad again this week. So, and I'm th this is historical data. So you can say historical data does not, you know, indicate future returns or whatever. But for birdies are better. The lines that are currently set for the guys that have played this event before are very bad. So Lucas Glover, his line for birdies are better in the opening round is four. He's made four or more birdies, 11 of the 12 rounds he's played here. Ches Reeby, nine of 10. Charles Howell III, nine of 12. Poston, eight of 12. They don't get much better when you start looking at strokes. So this is, I converted it to strokes gained. 
assuming a 69 and a half scoring average. That's been very consistent over the last four years. Glover's gone under 10 of 12. Zach Johnson, 14 of 20, so on and so forth. So you can go look at this Twitter thread. Greens and regulation. Lucas Glover's hit 11 or more, or 12 or more greens in regulation or 13 or more greens in regulation, uh, 11 out of 12 rounds. Like there's just some outrageously. Now I know these are different years, but there are some fairly outrageous ones here. And then also the headliners for birdie or better went nuts last, last week and the week before there were 26, 10 and six last week. So I think those are arguably some of the worst lines we've seen. Uh, if you use the code Rick, uh, it'll get you 100% instant deposit match, and there's a link in the uh, description. The follow-up question is, are we getting a new props tool? Yeah. The So the, the complexities of the golf prop prognostication uh, is, is quite a heavy lift, and it's constantly changing with different tournaments and stuff. So I've been trying to build out this tool that um, – is, is much more agile for different courses and looks at recent form and history and all this stuff. And it's been, it's, it's been a bigger lift than I was hoping it was going to be. So I'm hoping to, to get all that stuff taken care of. Uh, Hey Rick question. What do you mean by overlap? God, I wish I, I'm probably seeing this like 30 minutes late. So I don't even remember what I was talking about. Overlap in terms of like how many golfers are in lineups? Maybe like, hey, um, okay, here are six golfers in one lineup. I'm going to take three of them and put them in this in a second lineup. And then I'm going to put them in a third lineup. Like there's overlap there. Maybe that's what I was referring to. Sorry. Rick, can we deep dive who plays the best on weak fields? Uh, yeah. So go to the Holy Grail. Go to strokes gained by tournament. Uh, set the weak field to be like... Um, I don't know, under 125 or something like that. And then you can go back as many years as you want. I try to keep it like, I don't know, last five or six years. And then we can see the best players in weak fields. Well, Curtis Thompson, but he's only played four rounds. Uh, Webb Simpson's only played eight rounds. James Hans played 16 rounds and has three top tens and four top 25s in weak field events. Andrew Putnam's like the first guy with a lot of rounds who pops up. Plays a lot of weaker field events. Uh, Charles Howe III is not so bad either. Dylan Fratelli's on here. That win here helps. Zach Johnson, Lucas Glover, same thing. So yeah, there's some guys. Emiliano Grillo, 48 rounds. He's got a lot of rounds too. That might be the most rounds of anybody. Oh, no, not even close. Sorry. Uh, David Hearns played 91 rounds in weak field events. It's not bad, actually. Denny McCarthy's pretty good, too. 71 rounds, gaining over a stroke per round. Hmm. Okay. Okay. These are sets of three golfers. CH3, John Ha, Adam Svensson, or Stallings, Davis, Lipsky, or Long, Davis, Svensson. That one. Long, Davis, Svensson. Andy's disdain for Rom is rubbing off on you. No, it is not. I love John Rom. John Rom's like my I, I I really don't have favorites, but John Rom's like my favorite golf. Um he's very good. He tackles whatever issue is being put in front of him. I've never seen anyone now I didn't walk the course in Tiger years, but I've never seen anyone more focused on the golf course. 
No, I do not think. I, I, I just said I think like I could. See, I see how people treat him. I, I'm almost defending him by saying he's gonna. He, there's uh, he's gonna be treated as a heel. Hey, Rick, I need to know who is Mina picking to win this week? Uh, she said, and I quote, I like Cam this week for sure. And then she followed it up, little devil horn emoji. Three Camerons are in this field, so she gets credit for all of those. And a Camilo. Shame. Shame her. Who's got the best course history here? Okay. So what we can do is just say, um, well, we'll get rid of this. We'll go to tournament and say John Deere. And then we will uh, sort by total. And we will find that the best course history is Dylan Fratelli, but it's only six rounds. It's a win and a miss cut. 12 rounds, Lucas Glover. If we go more, 14 rounds would be Scott Brown. 16 rounds, Von Taylor, Zach Johnson. Let's go 20 rounds. Can I get 20 rounds? Can I get 20 rounds? Can I get... Really? Nobody's played 20 rounds? Maybe I had to add more years in here. I know we missed it in 2020, so maybe that was my fault. Okay, Stricker, he's out. Zach Johnson. Yeah, Zach Johnson, two strokes per round, 52 rounds. Ryan Moore, 42 rounds, 1.36. He's got a win and a runner-up. A couple other top 10s. So it depends on how far you want to go back. Rick, love the content. Thoughts on Honor Bon Lahiri. Let's do it. Accurate driver can go low if I'm not mistaken. Well, we don't have to guess. We can find out. We have all the data at our fingertips. Three missed cuts in a row. Cooled off a bit with the ball striking, which is something that was really propelling him forward. The putter has been horrendous. And let's see, um, he does okay in terms of upside. Let's see his birdie or better. No, 183rd. Accuracy, eh, not great, not very long. I'm worried. I'll admit I'm worried. I like Bond. I wish I was getting this version of him, right? This version of him was much better from the players to the Wells Fargo. It does not look like that anymore. That's worrisome. Armina's going to door dash food. She just texted me. Yes, do that. Um, I've answered a lot of these. I get this time is ours, but it's a good day for early lunch. Okay. <laughs> you can listen later. I have Davis to finish as best Australian. Is that a good play? I have Davis to finish as best. Just best. I think he's going to win it. I don't know if he's going to win it. I just think he's being like legit disrespected. You want to talk upside Davis. You want to talk. I don't know. I guess I ran out of options there. Um, Hey Rick, as a sports journalism major now working in data analytics, how did you get the idea to start what you're doing now? Well, uh, my background is in business and marketing and data. And I was working in giant databases for, a job. And I said, I can build a sports database. I'll just do that for fun. Cause I'm a nerd and I built a sports database and then specifically a golf database. And then I said, well, I need a way to access this in a lot of different ways. So I said, let's put it on a website and I'll make it look good. Make my research process easier. Everything I build for rickrungood.com is for me. The fact that people, other people enjoy it is still crazy to me, but like, I don't do anything that I like. I'm the, I'm my customer. I'm the, I'm a power user. 
So I'm trying to make it easy for me. And it just so happens to help out everybody else as well. Um, and then I started making YouTube videos. When I first started, it, there, everything was such a secret. No one wanted to tell you anything about DFS or betting because they were like, if I tell you, we're going to be in the same contest together. And I'm like, that's just not true. There's just like so many people playing on different sites and the contests are so big. Like what I say to a hundred people on YouTube is not going to influence anything. So I, I felt like I was a very transparent voice, which I think helped because I think that was hard to find. And it just kind of went from there and I just did it every single day. That's all I did every day, every day. Hey, Rick, what info can be gleaned from comparing left and right uh, rough tendency or are those numbers too noisy? No, they're not really noisy. Well, they could be noisy because you don't know like what shot shape and what they're trying to do. But I think in general, that's fine. And then if you get to a golf course, there are some golf courses where I'm trying to think like maybe PGA National just off the top of my head, uh, maybe Quail Hollow, like missing left is just like dead deadsville missing right's not so bad missing left is way worse um so th that's when i would pull it out i think there's only a couple courses a year where i'm like it's significantly worse to be on one side versus the other um but you look at like some guys like Ale i think it's like alex norn like never misses left he comes way over the top slices it out like he just never misses left it's only ever a right miss rick thoughts on last week's slime cup now we're talking so I thought it was great. Uh, in a world of hashtag grow the game, that's how you actually grow the game, right? You take professional athletes and celebrities and you put them doing something fun on Nickelodeon. That is how you actually grow the game. Um, so I thought it was fantastic. Kudos to Nickelodeon. They've done the... Um, They've done the wild card game. Now they're doing the slime cup. That that I I really really like seriously like it almost makes me want to cry. Like that is how you actually um, get more people involved. That and like when Harold Varner, Cam Champ, and a lot of other guys go and spend their time um, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in whatever city they're in with like the first T program or like showing kids like that is how you actually grow the game. So I, I thought it was awesome. Hey Rick, you might want to fall back in the run and done this week. So your followers quit suspecting collusion. I don't think collusion is the right word, but um, I know, thank God we are hosting it on like a website that I don't have any control over because in the past, in the past that was all done via Google doc, right? I don't know if you were around for that. So if I would have won in the Google Doc age, oh my God, it would have been horrible. And like, I have very little incentive to cheat, obviously. But now that I, and that was one of the reasons I didn't want to continue to do the Google Doc. It was way more work. But I was like, if I, God forbid, I win this thing, that's all I'm going to hear about. So I'm so thrilled it's actually on a different site um, that I do not control. And like, it's just a site that people use. Did younger me predict live? I collected autos in the late 90s and framed on my wall. David Duvall, uh, Justin Leonard, VJ, Phil, Sergio, and Greg Norman. Oh, boy. Why is driving accuracy so important here if these are some of the easiest fairways to hit on tour? So um, the data basically is the answer, Parker. So 
the reason that I love this tool and this stat right here, um, it's a course correlation model. It looks at every stat from every player for every year at every single course. And it doesn't say, so I'm so glad you asked this because it doesn't. So, so driving accuracy is a very important stat. That does not mean that golfers who won or played well in previous years um, hit a lot of fairways. It doesn't mean that at all. It means that guys who were accurate for the year had more success here than other places. And what it starts to do is it starts to build out models and groups of golfers. So it it really does eliminate a lot of the noise. So that is why I believe driving accuracy is, is very important this week because historically... Those types of players, whether it's because they don't have to be as long on this golf course and more accurate guys are generally shorter off the tee, or they are generally more precise with wedge in hand, something like that, are disproportionately more successful. Uh, no one watches or has access to Nickelodeon in Africa or Asia. Does that mean we shouldn't? they shouldn't do it at all? And I, I don't even know that to be true. And if it's true, it's a shame. Uh, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it at all, right? I don't even know if this is like a comment of like, well, they, then they shouldn't do it. I don't even know. But um, there's a lot of places to grow the game. There's a lot of different ways to do it. I think Nickelodeon's doing one way. There you go. Um, accurate players are often accurate wedge players. So kind of goes hand in hand and a bit misleading, possibly. Possibly. But when you've got a dozen years worth of data and hundreds and thousands of guys who have played the event and whatever, uh, the noise starts to work itself out, in my opinion. Okay. I think that's going to do it. We're a couple minutes over, but that's okay. Go sign up for Jock Market. Use the code Rick. Go sign up for Prize Picks. Use the code Rick. Join me tonight at 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time for a Jock Market Power Hour. Go pet your dog. Go do something nice for somebody. Go enjoy your day. I'll talk to you later.